Hi, you are listening to The Zid and Fizz Show, a talk show for entrepreneurs, angel investors, and everyone else. Good morning, welcome, and enjoy the show. Here they are. All right, episode 14, this is exciting. Um, we have today a very special show. We, we will start with the weather, but uh, we need to discuss what today is about. And then also we need to get some updates from the cocktail party that Faz had on the West Coast, because while we're working here and um, our guests from Canada are working, Faz is throwing big cocktail parties in uh, San Francisco. So um, is it public knowledge that big party you did or, or is it, it public secret? knowledge? And by the way, happy National Dog Day to everybody. Oh, is it I today? Think it was yesterday. It was yesterday, but it's a whole week of celebration. Ah, okay. Well, you know why? Because Faz is, is big on a dog company that, that I am. we're all invested in. And so it's about dogs. Uh, oh. All right. So today is about Canada. Yes. This show God was, bless was, Canada. This show was conceived in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mom and dad are can on I, right? <laughs> yeah, can I take right. any responsibility for that, by the way? Yes, Ryan. Where are you, Ryan? You're I'm in Edmonton. You're in Edmonton. Where is Edmonton? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's somewhere up in the north of Canada. Yeah. It's like the only <laughs> big city in Canada that isn't within about 100 kilometers of the border. So we're we're an outlier in many ways. Excellent. Anyway. We have uh, Ryan. We have <laughs> Sandy. Yeah, and, and we have Naraj. Three proud Canadians collaborating with us on this show to discuss Canada and the U.S. and anything else. So let's go through the weather, by the way. So we're now cool in Boston. We're now in the low 70s. Super nice weather. We're great. We're happy. (laughs) It's been a little hot, right? It's been very hot. This was a very hot summer. And... um, and then don't get me started on climate change and the Amazon fires and everything that's happening. It's a disaster. It's foggy <laughs> and cool in San Francisco. It's about 60 right now. 60. And, and I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold the metric line and say it's 17 degrees here in Edmonton. 17. <laughs> Is it snowing or not yet? <laughs> not yet. Yeah, I I, I need to. I, Remind you, Faz, we went to mentor companies in Edmonton and I believe it's October or November and we showed up and it was actually snowing. Yeah. So that was... Uh, that doesn't uh, surprise me. Well, this yes, is Sandy and I'm in beautiful, sunny Vancouver looking out at the gorgeous ocean. The weather's about 80 degrees and sunny and there's not a more beautiful city in the world than Vancouver when the sun shines. How, so, how often does the sun shine? Not very often. (laughs) (laughs) But you live in one of those beautiful shiny towers, so you're above the clouds always, and so you get the sun. Exactly. I'm actually from Calgary, but I took a break from the not-so-nice weather in Calgary this summer to come to Vancouver and enjoy a week of, uh, of nice weather. Were you there during Stampede? Of course I was there during Stampede. Oh, you were? Okay. Have you ever been to Calgary during the Stampede? Yeah, we, we, we had a whole session with our friends in Calgary during Stampede Week. Oh, I missed that event. 
So <laughs> they, they didn't tell me what to expect, and then I just showed up. Ah. And what did you think? I thought it was great. I thought it was absolutely great. And we had a fantastic time. I wish I had planned ahead and showed up uh, two, three days earlier. We also went to Banff. I've been now, I think, a total of two or three times to Banff. And every single time it's been raining. I've never seen the actual mountains. They keep telling me there are mountains. <laughs> I know. That's weird because normally we just don't get so much rain. But the last year or so, it's been very rainy for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. So here's a couple of interesting things about Canada that, that just blew my mind as I was doing some research. So did you guys know that Canada, the U.S. and China are the same surface area? Roughly 3.7 to 3.8 million square miles. Wow. That was that was interesting. I, I thought China would be a bit smaller, U.S. would be a bit. I mean, it was it was interesting. Russia is six million square square miles. Interesting. With a difference in population, 37 million for Canada, 327 for the U.S., and 1.4 billion for China. So. Hmm. All these are interesting in our field, you know, the market size and all that. I mean, Canada is, is uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a smaller market technically. So most of the companies you guys deal with have to have an outside Canada market as well, right? Absolutely. They have to, they have to look outside. And I think sometimes uh, what happens in with uh, Canadian companies that they they do focus on Canada, but you know really it's such a small country that the stat is something like if you generate over five million dollars a year in revenue you must be exporting, and so when companies talk to us all the time Ryan can attest to this, you, you know they say this is what we're doing in Canada and we always say so what are you doing globally because you just can't grow to be that big unless you're addressing the global market. So you have to go beyond the borders. And the first one is to your south, right? That's us. It's, yeah. it's always yeah. to the south. It's it's uh, for the companies I see, it's, you know, they launch in Canada as like their beta or their first entry market. And then it's always and then we're going to go to U.S. and then we'll go other places in Canada. It, it just seems to be uh, it just makes sense that way because Europe's too far. China's too far. U.S. is just there. And it's huge. And you get yeah, the Canadian but but can I say that on the other side I hear that Russia is on the other side, so there there is another there is another side is there? Yeah. I, I, I rarely see a company go that way though. Very famous said that from Alaska you can see Russia, and I, I was just gonna Alaska, say I was gonna say that maybe I think off to the west someplace there is this thing known as the territory of Alaska, which I could have sworn was somehow connected. So. Right. I can see yeah. Russia from my front door. <laughs> well, and then you, don't you have Greenland on the other side as well? <laughs> Which is a massive market. You're, you're right. That's that's our third market we go after. Canada, U.S., then Greenland. Yeah. <laughs> so so here's here's and, and that's a quiz to you, Faz. Yes. Here are things I need you to guess. Is this an invention that's uh, Canadian or or American, oh, okay? I love it. Please go. All right. Okay, so I'll go through a list, and you have to say Canadian or or U.S. Excellent. 
So the first one is uh, the garbage bag. Canadian. Canadian. You're correct. Are you going to tell me if I'm right or wrong? Yeah, yeah, you are correct. Okay, you are correct. Yes. The pager. Canadian. Canada. Canadian. And by the way, everybody else can participate, not just fans. Because he's the only one that will get it wrong. So, um, (laughs) peanut butter. Oh, Canadian for sure. U.S. Canadian. Uh Wow. All Uh, the intelligence are Canadian. Now say something else, like Big Mac. The the Wonder Bra. (laughs) Wonder Bra. uh, That's definitely Canadian. They're also very aesthetically smart people. <laughs> the Wonder Bra. Uh, this is correct. It's Canadian. You see? Uh, the Wait, pacemaker. Okay, this is a good one. The pacemaker. The pacemaker. Ooh, this is going to be a tough one. Uh, can I get help from? Can I, can I call a friend? <laughs> yeah, yes, you can. Call Ryan. Uh, Ryan. What, what, I'm. What you... I'm. I'm going to guess Canadian, but I don't know. But yeah, I think it's Canadian. Pacemaker is Swedish invention. Pacemaker. Oh. Mm. It's Canadian. Canadian? Yeah. Uh, here's another one. Basketball. Canada. Oh, Canadian, for sure. Canadian. Can you, I have no idea. Basketball no, I don't was know. invented in I don't Canada. Know if anyone, I don't know if anyone's uh, aware in the U.S. of something called the Canadian Heritage Minutes, but uh, I'm pretty sure everyone in Canada is aware that basketball is Canadian because we used to have these, like, you know, let's be proud of being Canadian for one minute on our public uh, TV agency uh-huh. called CBC. So everyone in Canada has seen that one-minute heritage minute <laughs> on how we invented that basketball. Well, that's amazing. Well, congratulations, by the way, on the win this year for Toronto. Um, and then, okay, last one. And this is insulin. Oh, Canadian. Oh, yeah. I just got I just got a hundred percent on my first test. Canadian, I, that is correct. And last one, the wireless radio transmission. Canadian. Oh, Canadian. Italian. So this was a list of all Canadian inventions. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sworn that was Marconi, wasn't it? The radio invention. No, Marconi was Canadian. It was Marconi. Red. Yeah, Marconi was a radio. Yeah. Uh, my bad. All right, so this is now we're going to go through the the daily rant. So my rant today is about valuations. And I'd love to know what you guys uh, see out there. I am so tired of high valuations and and high valuations that will definitely get crushed soon. And then four and five and six and seven and eight million. And in order to make any dent, in terms of returns, you need to exit at over 100 million, and it is becoming insane. And unfortunately, the only way that that's going to fix is a recession, and that's very scary. So please tell all the entrepreneurs to cool it down, bring more more realistic valuations, so then we can we can work together. So what are you seeing up in Canada? So. I'm I'm with a group that has uh, four forms across two different provinces. So we see intake from four different cities. And I actually find the, I'm not going to name names, but the less developed markets actually have the inflated valuations for some reason. And the more developed ones come at us or come to us with a, a much more competitive one. 
So we're still finding good deals, but it's coming from one or two cities as opposed to all four of them. So what are, like we are seeing inflated, but it's, it's not across the board. You um, are, okay. Yeah, I have seen that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times when you talk learning suddenly a lot of uh, people do not know about it but they know that ai and machine learning is the next big thing and they start uh, you know kind of getting very high valuation simply because it's ai and the problem with that is is that unless we don't understand what is ai and machine learning but unless we don't understand that there is an applied side of it it becomes like yeah so it's so you think that so is this like a trendy thing you know it ai is hot now so valuation go up and then yeah, if you can... see, uh, like, yeah, I mean, va- uh, valuations, valuations tend to go up when people don't understand what the underlying technology is. So people think they can say, oh, we're AI, we're worth this. Um, so I do think that's part of it for sure. And everybody is just adding that they're doing AI and ML and everything they're doing and, and they're actually not, right? That's right. That's right. And so let's agree and maybe we can set the standard nationwide or for both countries what is an accepted valuation for an angel company? And I know this is a tough question, but if someone brings you an angel deal, what do you expect for a valuation? Somewhere between one and eight million. And I know that's a large range, but that's kind of where we play. <laughs> that was such a bold move there, Ryan. Come on. I'm narrowing it down to a very, very wide range, just because it, it, it appeals to everyone. And then I don't have to say sorry can later. Can I ask Can I ask Zid's question in a different way? Do you give feedback to the entrepreneur about their valuations? Absolutely, yes. we do. What Can I ask, what do you tell them and from whose perspective are you telling them the feedback? You tell them, get out of this room, your evaluation is too high, come back with a, with a half of them. No, that's not. So, so the, the, the hat I wear when I, when I first see companies is as the screener for my angel group. So I can really easily defer it to or lay the blame on the investors that are members of our group. So the way I say it is, you know, you can come into this group, into our group with that valuation if you want, but I'm pretty much guaranteeing you, you're not going to get interest. Uh, we normally see companies with the stage you're at, in the sector you're at somewhere of X million. Um, so I, I blame it on the investors who are going to see them and say, if you don't come into the right ballpark, you're probably not going to get anyone to sign up. So, and, and right, so it's easy for right, me to blame so, others. So, and I would sit there, I would sit there, Faz, um, Faz I would sit there and say, um, how much money are you going to need to raise to make this uh, company work? Because that's what you have to think about. Don't think about what this one is, but when are you going to raise capital again? And what valuation are you going to be able to put on the company at that point after um, increasing the shareholder value from your first raise? So, you know, people think, oh, here's my valuation. I'm going, okay, so when do you need money again? And do you think you're going to be able to get that at that valuation? So back it up from where you where you think ultimately how much money, how much capital you think you need. What do you do? I agree with Sandy because a lot of times when you talk about the angel, you don't go to mathematics. I, I have a mathematics master. So a lot of times you need to really start looking at numbers. Maybe it is not making sense in terms of doing a lot of valuation in terms of, you know, Excel sheets and all. But the moment you start thinking about series A and series B and do backward calculation, you know, these um, entrepreneurs do start understanding that it is not just 
uh, a random number which we are talking about, it has to make sense for Angel as well. Right. And it's and it's pretty easy when you lay it out and say, okay, um, so do you think you'll be able to defend a valuation of 20 million in 18 months? And they'll go, hmm, probably not. I'm going, okay, so let's back it up and say, where, where do we go from there? You can even go from the exit. You can... So yes. back it up from the exit till now and make make sure that all the rounds make sense. Absolutely. But is there psychology, Faz, in this? Is there a certain level of psychology where you have to feel good? Because a lot of the numbers don't make any sense, right? You can't really put a value that that mathematically makes sense or you're, you, you don't have revenue. And so you just have to feel good about it. And... and I think if you everyone, tell them, yeah, everyone has to feel good. Well, yeah, but and so, so what I what I love about our friends in Canada is one professional, very intelligent, very kind and thoughtful, and um and 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 really very conscientious about what is happening around them because as as everyone just said, you know, in order for a startup to do well, they don't just focus on the Canadian market. They start thinking about going outside of the market. So they have to figure out how to appeal to investors. And so the reason I asked the question was there is definitely a different psychology uh, between what is being told to entrepreneurs in different parts of our country, West Coast, East Coast, Mid Coast, it doesn't matter. And then um, what we are also experiencing a lot of times because there is so much also um, support from within the Canadian provinces for entrepreneurship uh, coming from the government, a lot of times the hunger that you would expect to see in an entrepreneur, uh, the the tenacity with which they want to make a deal, I, it, it's, it's hard to see that. I've seen it periodically, uh, and there are folks that I've seen that have become very enthusiastic and energetic about closing deals and making sure that everything is lined up. But a lot of times what, what I end up seeing from my friends in Canada is, and also different parts of the U.S., is um, is just a, a lack of, um, of a psychology of understanding what is happening from the investor side and why is it that the valuation makes a difference in a deal. If the valuation of the company um, the terminal value of a company is, let's say, 10 million, and the company is trying to raise a million dollars, and they're offering a valuation of 5 million. That means you could potentially see a 2x without any more uh, investment in the company. Those kind of scenarios don't make economic sense. And a lot of times it's really tough for the entrepreneurs to see that until they actually get hungry. Um, and, and we do the same thing in the U.S. too. There's a lot of support for entrepreneurs on the early stages. And uh, a lot of times they lose that sense of uh, the reality of the marketplace. But the, I, I get it. If you get government support, that, that kills a little bit of your energy. But the, the issue is that I always say, show me your cap table. I'll tell you who you are. Because if you have... It, it becomes greed. You have to have a valuation that is super, super exciting for the entrepreneurs and for the investors. So then then if it becomes an industry where you say, okay, well, I have an idea, I have some software, I have this, I have that, and uh, we're worth 5 million, it becomes absurd. 
absolutely absurd and we're reaching that point of absurdity and uh, and it's it's a bit worrisome so um and we all have to yeah i mean we all have to make an effort and then when is the last time any one of us has seen a truly disruptive innovation yeah. That is a that is a big question because saying I have a new app that does this or that or whatever, how can we spot innovation? That is the the key because true innovation, I guess, it's worth a lot. But so the so the so the, so the issue which I am observing nowadays is you can find a lot of crazy high valuations for the startups which are just six months old and maybe a first time entrepreneur because it has to do with the knowledge and uh, you know past experience and if they don't know things. They start talking about crazy valuation. And when you talk about impact versus revenue, uh, a lot of times people try to show impact, but the inventions at times very high end inventions, the revenue is maybe two years down the line. So there has to be a balance of both. And um, and we as angel investors also have to do some sort of thing in, in order to train these startups that, you know, it has to make sense not only for angels, but also for these startups to start thinking about when you start making revenue and when start talking about series A and series B. And so, yeah, some investors wait until the second round. They say, okay, well, I'll catch you on your downturn. I like what you're yeah. doing, but I'll wait a bit and then call me when, um, call me in your next round. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I think a lot of times you also need to also look at that if and um, if this entrepreneur can sustain for next six to eight months, even if they are not getting money, because many a times they don't even account for the time which they are going to invest to talk to investors. And then probably after three months, they're going to go down and they don't understand that. So probably it also makes sense. And many a times in, um, these entrepreneurs are not very happy that why does it take six months of a time? It's not just a problem of investors. They are trying to understand you. They're trying to find out how much risk you can take. And um, and that's that's a big dilemma because that's absolutely and in, in different industries. So right now, for example, in Canada, the can I was in Montreal and there was a line around the block, and it was a cannabis store or a marijuana or a weed store or whatever. And and that is going crazy, right? So you have this explosion of a new industry which pushes put, puts valuations high. Everybody's excited. It's the What's it called? The Gartner hype curve, which is one of my right. favorite curves. And and uh, so what's happening? Do you guys have any in, uh, input on the cannabis industry in Canada? What's happening other than consuming it? Yeah, so we <laughs> yeah. we had we had realistic valuations on the production of the what's soon to be a commodity. Um, and then it became hyperinflated on the actual production. So you'd have companies start up. Um, to get a license and actually can grow. And those valuations kind of went through the roof and became extremely un, unrealistic. Um, but I'm seeing less and less of those deals. And I'm starting to see the valuations go up on the, you know, the second tier market of cannabis where there's, you know, derivatives or value add yeah, products. Yeah. And those ones are now going up through the roof on, on the valuation. They started reasonable and now they're going up the, uh, like the ones the, I see. Like the gold rush, you know, the ones that made money were the, these people selling shovels. Mm -hmm. And Ryan, we're we're seeing a lot of kind of the typical um, 
public market promotion, right? So there's been a lot of promoters saying we'll take the company public and, you know, pushing it all the way to the public markets too quickly. So we definitely have seen that in Canada for sure. And I'm also saying yeah, an important thing, like in, if you look at Q3 2018, around 39% of the Canadian deals were made and invested by corporates. So that's very, very positive because corporate venturing is becoming extremely, extremely interesting in Canada. A lot of corporates and MNCs are trying to be part to the deals, angel deals and even TCDJ deals, which is positive because these corporates are not investing money just to uh, you, you know, have a 2x growth. They also want to see if they could give some project or acquire these companies. So it's, it's the corporate ventures and their approach. And um, so tell us, uh, Faz, about your cocktail party. <laughs> I'll do that in just one second. I do have a quick question for our friends, though. Um, so tell me, so Ziad is on the East Coast. He's in Boston. I'm in San Francisco, West Coast. And we decided, uh, with your encouragement, with our friends in Canada, to do this podcast as a way of bridging uh, the two coasts. Because we're all pursuing the same interests. We're, we're supporting entrepreneurs and trying to make good deals and getting good products to the marketplace. Tell me, because you're all mostly on the West side of Canada. Do you find a difference between attitudes towards entrepreneurship and investing uh, from one side of the coast to the other for Canada as well? Oh, definitely. Um, and we have this odd thing in Alberta where um, where where all of us actually are from, which has a you know a very high uh, traditional um, investment um, uh, platform being oil and gas. So, uh, you know, innovation has been kind of the stepchild to oil and gas investment for the last 20 years. And now in the last five years, you know, in, people are starting to focus more on innovation. Obviously, there's oil and gas technologies that are, um, you know, also being uh, developed and exploited now. But so so Alberta is a little behind the B.C. and the Ontario in in Canada, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, should, and one, yeah. one thing. Sorry, I'm next seeing, time we we'll, we we'll, we need to include some a French speaking member of the podcast. that's a hot market. That's a hot market in Quebec. They've got a good model there. Uh, there's another point as well, and which I am seeing in even in Sweden, Stockholm, and uh, Bangalore in India, India as well. A lot of expats from US are going back to their native cities and uh, trying to invest in startups, especially because of several issues. Um, and Toronto has maximum number of angels right now in terms of expats. So that's another very interesting aspect. So if Calgary or Edmonton has to pick up, we need to also attract a lot of uh, expats from U.S. and other places who can look at uh, the deals, uh, which is another very interesting aspect uh, happening in other parts of the world mm-hmm. in Toronto. We've seen some amazing companies in, in, in our travels to Canada. So that's, there's no shortage of great startups. Absolutely. Uh, right. It's just getting the attention of the investment dollars in Alberta that's been challenging for them. Yeah, yeah because the community is not as much as the, the risk averse. Yeah. Well, uh, um, they're not. I mean, oil and gas is pretty risky, but it's a different risk and they understand that risk. They don't understand the risk uh, on the innovation side. So it's all about education. Really, it's uh, I'm so oh, Sandy, you said you said the key word. You took the word right out of my mouth. It's education and, it is. and a hunger for wanting to know what is what is it that we're doing in this asset class known as angel investing or startups or 
early stage investing. And um, I I wish that there were more conversations like this happening, where we're talking about not even uh, just East Coast, West Coast, but we're talking about Canada, US, doesn't matter where, but if we can unite our language together and make sure that we're talking the same, we have the same vocabulary, same meaning, and, and I'm not saying there should be a flat valuation all across the board. You know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. People will pay what, the, what they think it's worth, uh, including the housing market. Right. But I wish there were more of these types of conversations where people were actually talking about substantive things that affect the entrepreneurial ecosystem. So are you so, avoiding telling us about your cocktail party? Oh, I'm so sorry. No, but that was that was that was that was something that was on my mind and I had this I had to share that. So we had an amazing event for um for a pet health company um that I'm an investor in, Ziad's an investor in, and several of our friends are also in. And it's led by Kpor Capital, a very highly regarded uh, firm out here in Silicon Valley. They're one of the biggest investors. It's a pet health company focused on curing gastrointestinal disorders for dogs, cats, cattle. Okay, but we need the juicy stuff about the cocktail party, not the... Uh... So the, the, the event was a brainchild of our chief revenue officer, Sherry McDonald, who was our first guest on the Zid and Fizz show. But the idea was bringing together a nonprofit um, and also a for-profit, which was our company, and bringing all of our advisors and guests uh, to one venue, which was a winery. So we had a venue at the winery. Uh, we had lots of wonderful food and we had about 40 plus people in attendance uh, listening to not only what the nonprofit is doing for human health, which is health tech for Medicaid, um, and also our CEO of our pet health company talking about what we're doing as a private company. So uh, advisory board members, uh, X49er, amazing defensive, uh, player uh, Dwight Hicks, who had two Super Bowl champions under his belt. I know this is a different kind of football than what Canada's used to. Um, and then Ian Williams, who is now a sports commentator on various TV programs and radio shows. He's a young man, had an injury uh, defensive end, but he's also an advisor to the company. He was there. Uh, we had also Cheryl Conti. I don't know if you all know Cheryl Conti. She's a phenomenon in in the world of business. She is the first African-American woman, first African-American woman to have sold a private company to a NASDAQ listed company for $250 wow. million. Yeah, first African-American. Cheryl Conti, dobigthings.com. She wrote a book called Mechanical Bull about her journey through this entrepreneurial track as a woman, as an African-American. And she's phenomenal. She represents the Obamas in all of their social media campaigns. And she was present. Um, I have some photos. I'll post it at some point. So was it the wine was the actual wine from the winery? Winery. It's a hundred year old winery, uh, 100 acres in Morgan Hill, just south of San Jose. So phenomenal venue we had a, inside of a like an old uh, warehouse, um, like a barn. It was beautiful, nice venue, very warm. Um, but great food and great nice. company. See, that's what they do on the West Coast. You know, you, we are here. It's cold in Canada. It's cold. We work, <laughs> and then those guys are out partying in Napa and Sonoma and God knows where. And and this, this was, this was. So I just want to point out something. There is a way that which in which and this is Sherry McDonald's statement. People, profits, planet, and now we're adding 
puffies to it. So we're saving puffies. <laughs> people, profit, and planet. There is a way in which, you know, uh, corporate social responsibility, diversity, and inclusion, there is a way in which our corporations, our startups, can work hand-in-hand with our community uh, resources, you know, supporting the community. And it used to be that way, and a lot of that has been forgotten. But Sherry's been very good about connecting. But us. There, there is a there is a change in all of the industry where there was a discussion in Washington about shareholders versus stakeholders, right. and then that in the past 50 years the obsession of the top companies was shareholder profit, and right. now there's a turn they're changing to stakeholders, community, employees. Well, I think the millennials are are really putting a lot of Driving emphasis that. on that. And, yeah. and they are driving it, right? Would you yeah. agree, Sandy? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. T- tell me what you're seeing in Canada. What, are you seeing the same type of thing? I mean, you guys are more progressive than we are. We've lost it <laughs> for, for quite some time. But tell, say a little bit more about what you're seeing in Canada. Well, I think that the, um, the millennials are, you know, t- take the term impact investing, right? Impact investing traditionally has been thought as, you know, I'll invest here, my returns might not be great. Um, and it's really changed into a, a thesis around investing into great companies that are making an impact. So no longer is it expected that your returns will not be as great because companies can be successful, make an impact and give back, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. all have to be about shareholder um, profits. Um, because your shareholder profits will probably be the same if you're, um, you know, acting like a, 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 you know, responsible company. Right. That's right. And, and taking into account everything around you, your, your, your employees, your community, all that. Um, yeah, I'm that, gonna, I'm gonna quote, I'm gonna quote Sherry from our show, uh, our episode 10. Um, so she said, and I quote her, when, when you invest in the community. The community invests in you. And a lot of times our startup companies forget, forget because they're so focused on what they're doing. They forget one about revenue. So they start their revenue engines late. They wait Mm -hmm. late instead of thinking about it today. And then they forget about their community because they're so driven by raising money, which I always say money is the least important ingredient. It's a catalyst. What's more important is who you are, what you represent, what you're doing for for the greater you know industry or the society, and then the rest people will find you. People will find you when you're doing something like that. And if you're doing something of value that someone actually needs, someone actually needs, society needs, the government needs, the the larger corporate industrial complexes need. Yeah, it, but it's all a story, isn't it? Don't you guys all agree this is all about storytelling? It so, is. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, so what better way to tell a story than to say we're connected to our community? Or we care, and, and then we care about the community. But truly, I think it's easy to make an announcement and to put it on a headline or a press release, whatever. But if you truly care about your community or your employees, it transpires through the organization and because the culture comes from the top, Right. I mean, you heard the story of the the royal couple that are all about the environment, but then they took a private jet to the uh, to the south of France. Right. So exactly. I mean, instead of walking, instead of walking, <laughs> here they, instead of, instead of walking. well, you can take a train 
and uh, <laughs> that's that's the other uh, this it's, that's a problem with but by the way why isn't there a train between Edmonton and Calgary uh, yes. We have done. I've seen like three startups try that in the last ten years. Uh, really, and the, startups the doing numbers, the actual train. Well, they're trying, and and I've seen the I've seen the budgets and the performance and the analysis of how much it's going to cost and how much they can make, and the numbers still just don't make sense. It's too long a trip with it too has, few of ridership to to justify. Right, it, still. it has something to do with the permafrost. It's an expensive train, apparently. Oh, to do to do a high speed train to do a high speed train. In cold weather. Well, 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 yeah, yeah. Elon Musk has the tunnel machine, so why not go under the permafrost? I yeah. agree. <laughs> it's it's what four hours by car, three hours yeah. by car, three hours. It's three hours, yeah. It's yeah, one I, I think speedy. We need... It's one speedy straight flat road. Yeah. So well, the number the numbers I saw the numbers I saw on one of the startups is that we kind of need population centers in Edmonton and Calgary of at least 2 million each before the numbers start to make sense. And currently we're sitting about a million in each city, give or take. So it's just, it just doesn't make uh, fiscal you need sense. To make, still. You need to make babies. It either needs yeah. to be government. Yeah. Make babies or make it a government project where we just take the infrastructure bullet um, for the private company, but it doesn't seem to be profitable yet. Hmm. Right. The reality is we don't like each other that much, so we don't go back and forth to each other's town. <laughs> I love you, Sandy. I don't know what you're talking about. By the way, the, the I sort of felt a little competitive spirit between <laughs> Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vancouver people seem to be just doing their own thing. They're, they're I don't know, they're in competition. They're West Coasters. They're West Coasters. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And then the, the Montreal people are doing their own thing. And um, there's some really good food in Montreal. So, mm, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, and, uh, I love and, it. And just to make a jab at Toronto, I don't think Toronto has a rivalry with any other Canadian cities. I just think they forget other Canadian cities exist. <laughs> but, but all the other Canadian cities have a rivalry with Toronto. Right. Yeah. It, but, it is the center. Everybody of the cheered, Toronto. right? Everybody cheered when Toronto won. Like every city no, in Canada. Yes. But the only reason that is, is because none of us have a team. If we, if Calgary would have had a team, <laughs> yeah. we would not have been cheering for Toronto. I can guarantee that. <laughs> yeah. That's so it's a different yeah. story it, in hockey. The only time you'll see Canadian unity is when we're playing U.S. Then we all right. get behind whichever team it is. Very good. But, by the way, but, we'll love you in U.S. as well. But you guys yeah. root for, for the Red Sox, right? Or, or not? Uh, mm, let me think. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, okay. There's just one guy we know in Calgary. His name starts with R. He loves the Red right. Sox. So. Yeah, just uh, one guy. He's a bit of an outlier. He's a bit of an outlier. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> All right. So this uh, we're coming to the end of our Canadian uh, show. We're going to do it multiple times. It's not a one time. Thank you all for coming. Thank you, Faz. And uh, thank you, Sandy, Ryan, and Naraj. And looking forward to our next show. Right on. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Thank you for listening to The Zid and Fish Show. I hope you enjoyed it, learned something, and had a good time. Remember, you can send questions to talk at zidandfid.com. Until next time, bye-bye.